Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I ain't seen him. You haven't seen him. Where? Anywhere. Who? Juan Epstein, the Georgie Jessel of San Juan. Georgie who? Georgie Jessel. Vinny Barbarino was a wonderful boy before he fell down that day. And let's hope that the damaged part will grow back. Try and read my lips. Where is Epstein? There. Where? Here. Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X? trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Dave, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us. I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. Mr. Potter, are you ready to see me now? I'm ready to see you now. Good, because I'm running late. This episode is one that I am excited to play with you. There is something for everyone here, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about TV shows from Generation X, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like... We're going to save Generation X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two good friends of over 20 years. I am thrilled to have my two guests on the show today. Please welcome to the show, Jen. Hey, everybody. Super happy to be here. And I think I'm going to beat Alex because she sucks at trivia. (laughs) Well, we will find out. Please also welcome to the show, Jen's good friend, Alex. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to be here on the show. And, um, well, I got to say, despite the resume that I've put together to make myself look successful, I really, truly am a slacker. And so Zabe told me to include some smack here, but I really just don't have it in me today. So we'll see, Jen. We'll see how this works. (laughs) You know, you shouldn't put down a loser, Cindy, because you might be one yourself someday. Just remember that. I got you, Alex. (laughs) But before we meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. 
The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's fabulous prize. And once you see the prizes we have in store, I think we will all agree that they are indeed fabulous. Oh, I'm so nervous. Okay. <laughs> We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey, ladies, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life, they shed a lot of light. We are going to do The Facts of Life a little different in this episode. Instead of a top 10 list, I have put together a head-to-head challenge that you'll be given answers to. An incorrect answer gets you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes will lose a round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power. The power. Which is a position that will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. Okay, this is reminding me of Jim in high school where, like, we would do these things and then I would go to the very back and and just hang out, like, and and stand there next to my friend and gossip about boys. Like, I am just telling you that (laughs) this is the overriding feeling I am having right now, Zave. Just letting you know. (laughs) You know, it's so often on the show that the people who feel like they're not going to do real well ends up winning the game. So I think you're underselling yourself a little bit. Alex, I predict you're going to do great on the show here today. Okay. The Facts of Life is an American television sitcom spinoff of Different Strokes that originally aired on NBC from August 24th, 1979 to May 7th, 1988, making it one of the longest-running sitcoms of the 1980s. During that long run, many characters walked through the doors of Eastland School and beyond. Some of the characters became iconic for the decade and household names. Others, not so much. Although the road to popularity was not without its potholes, the first season was a ratings disaster, featuring so many characters that the audience couldn't keep them all straight. Wisely, the show's producers decided to retool the show in its second year, but that also meant cutting out many of the characters from the show. The Facts of Life was always about evolving during its nine seasons on the airwaves. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have television greatness. This Facts of Life list asks you to name the most popular characters from the sitcom classic, The Facts of Life. Finally, The Facts of Life game is about the show it honors. We had over 400 responses to this question that we asked our fellow Gen Xers on Facebook, and here are their replies. The list rules are that you can give us either the character name or the actor's name. It's up to you. So tell me, who are the most popular characters from the TV sitcom classic, the facts of life. We flip the coin backstage to see who goes first. And Alex, you won the coin flip. Alex, get us started. Okay, so I would say um, Tootie is the most popular. Don't look now, guys, but I think we are in trouble. Tootie, number four on the list. Well done. The reunion show filled in some of the gaps on what happened to the girls of Eastland after they graduated and left the show. We found out on the reunion show that Tootie became a talk show host and widowed with a 10-year-old daughter named Tisha. At the end of the show, we see Tisha enroll at Eastland to carry on the family tradition. little fun fact about Tootie. Jen, it's your turn. What do you got? All right. Well, I was going to go Tootie. That was my number one answer. So I'm going to go with the character everyone loved to hate and also loved to love, Blair. Oh, come on, Blair. She can learn so much from you. You're so, so warm-hearted, compassionate sensitive. Oh, let's face it, Blair, you're just about perfect in every way. What can I say? When you're right, you're right. (laughs) Blair, number two on the survey. 
Good job. Number two. In the series finale, we find out what happens to the Eastland School for Girls. It turns out that Blair buys the school, because of course she does, and she turns it into a co-educational school. So no longer a school for girls, but still a school for rich kids, one assumes. <laughs> Interesting. See, this is just ready for a reboot. It's ready for a reboot. For sure. <laughs> okay, Alex, your turn. Do you got another one in you? So I have to go. I have to go with Joe. She came in late, but she ran that school. Hi, I'm Mrs. Garrett, the school dietitian. You must be Joe, the new student. Right, how'd you know? Easy. I've never seen a motorcycle parked in my flower bed before. <laughs> I thought they were weeds. Played by Nancy McKeon. Joe, number one on the survey. Congratulations, Alex. Joe did not appear at the reunion TV special because it was stated that she was now in the police force and was working. This also coincided with Nancy McKeon's role as a police detective in the drama series The Division. So once again, they folded some of the IRL facts of life of these characters and actors. I think it was her mullet that prevented her from coming back to the reunion. She was too embarrassed. Aw. Sorry. I mean, did anyone get that haircut? No. Yeah. I mean, we all wanted Blair's hair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or Judy's, but... Blair's there. My sister kind of was rocking the Joe Mullet there for a little while in the mid-80s. <laughs> okay, going back to you, Jen. Okay, well, there's one character who is in my mind, but I can't remember her name, but so I'm going to have to go with Mrs. Garrett. Ah, uh, girls. <laughs> girls. <laughs> Thank you. Edna Garrett, number five on the list. <laughs> Charlotte Ray. Yep. The actor Charlotte Ray was only 52 years old when she started on Different Strokes. Oh, wow. my God. Are you kidding me? She was like, look like she's 75. I'm like, I know. I'm no, almost that's 52. Crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you always think of Mrs. Garrett as being some old lady, but 52 years old, that's, that's the same age as a lot of Gen Xers right now. Oh, my God. That hair, that like beehive hairdo up to, oh, God, that's crazy. Now I have to, I'm totally going to be looking her up for sure. So I feel good about myself every day as I age because I, I don't look like that right now. Okay, no strikes so far. You guys are doing great. Back to you, Alex. Well, I mean, now we're really just down to, I mean, and this feels so bad because this is what always happened to her on the show. She was kind of like the forgotten one, so much so that I know the actress's name and don't know her name, but it's Mindy Cohn. Hi, I'm Natalie Green. And I wear suede jeans myself. In fact, all of my clothes are suede. <laughs> Mindy Cohen, also known as Natalie Green, is number three on the list. Well, I love that she's so remembered that she's number three, but she was like always the girl like left behind a little. Right. Well, she outranks Mrs. Garrett, so that's a little bit of revenge for uh, <laughs> Natalie. Natalie also appears in two episodes of Different Strokes called The Slumber Party and The Older Man. Fortunately, those are titles of two separate episodes. <laughs> oh, my God. I love all this information. It's like, you know, we're here to educate. That's why the show is called Who Will Save Generation X? Let's save it. Well, can you save it with your next answer? Let's hear it, Jen. Well, so you're reminding me of something because you mentioned different strokes and how it's like a spinoff. So wasn't Dana Plato, who I don't, rem don't remember what her name was on different strokes, wasn't she on The Facts of Life? Her character's name was Kimberly, and she did go to Eastland, 
but she was not a character on the show The Facts of Life, and that's what we're asking for on the list. So Oh. That's strike number one. I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> I feel like a loser. <laughs> Good Alex. Hey, Jen, don't feel like a loser because I, I think you might have an argument. Like, she wasn't on the show, but she was still a, a member of the school, so... Yeah. I mean, if it's me, I would argue that against the judges. But since you didn't, we're going to move on. Okay. Alex, over to you. All right, now we're starting to go a little bit deeper, and I got to say, I'm just going with George Clooney. Now, that was a mullet. The episode where I got to kiss George Clooney would be an, have been a favorite, Except that I didn't even remember I had done that until years later and somebody showed me a clip of it. And I thought, how in the world could I have forgotten that? But back then, he wasn't George Clooney. He was just George. George Clooney, also called George on the show, was number nine on the survey. Well done. Thank you. Still no strikes, Alex. So here's a fun fact about good old George. When Edna's Edibles was burnt down, George Burnett was hired as a handyman for the development of her next business called over our heads. In the episode called A Star is Torn, George quits working at the hardware store and becomes a roadie for a singer named Cinnamon. The character was dropped after season eight. And George Clooney's career was never quite the same. <laughs> oh. So no strikes for Alex. Only one strike for you, Jen. Still enough answers for you to totally pull this out. What do you got? All right. So now I'm remembering some things because of George Clooney. Wasn't Molly Ringwald on The Facts of Life. Don't be upset because you're the dumbest girl in school. <laughs> I have a friend whose brother has given a lower IQ than you, and he got all the way through junior college. Now he's the most successful dog catcher in Paramus, New Jersey. Molly Ringwald, whose character was also called Molly on the show, was number 10 on the list. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> that is awesome. Molly Ringwald's character, named Molly Parker, was a perky, fast-talking student at Eastland who enjoyed taking photographs and playing the guitar. Maybe that's why I liked her. Getting fired from the show was hard on Molly Ringwald, who was only 12 years old at the time. And much like George Clooney, when he was fired from the show, her career was never quite the same afterwards. So I guess if you want a big career in Hollywood, you got to get fired off of the facts of life to make it. <laughs> Let's move on. Still only one strike for Jen and no strikes for Alex. Wow, you guys are really crushing this. It's going to get a lot more difficult now with only three names left on the list and none of them as memorable as Tootie. Alex, you're up. What do you got? I don't know. Um, wasn't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm trying to forget her name. I'm trying to remember her name. Oh, like, okay, so she was like, she was like an 80s, like, Brat Pack person. And I know she at least was like, a guest character on it because, like, I thought she just looked so New York and cool. Like, um, hold on. Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz. Actress named Jamie Gertz. Wasn't she on there? She had the uh, long, dark hair. Yeah, that sounds like Jamie Gertz. But unfortunately, Alex, she was not on The Facts of Life. That is strike number one. No! All right. Mm. Okay, back to you, Jen. There are still three names left on the list. Okay, I'm going back to the old lady zone. I feel like Cloris Leachman was on Facts of Life. Like her, she was like a substitute mom of the house or something. Cloris Leachman was on the show, but her character Beverly Ann was number 13 on the list. Underappreciated okay. Cloris Leachman. Well, that's strike number two for you, Jen. Back to you, Alex. All right. I don't know who. I don't know the last name. I can't. I can't think. I 
I can't give you anything more than like, I know that there was a character named Cindy and that's all I got. Like, I just kind of remember, and I don't know, maybe I'm blending it with Brady Bunch. I don't know, but they kind of look the same. Kind of like the little cute blonde girl with the pigtails kind of thing going on. Judges? Cindy? Cindy Webster, number eight on the list. Oh my, oh my come on. <laughs> that was an incredible pull, Alex. Impressive. Most impressive. Cindy Webster, played by Julianne Haddock, was the blonde tomboy in season one. The first episode of The Facts of Life, which aired in August of 1979, focused on Cindy, who was concerned that she might be gay after hearing disparaging remarks from Snobby Blair. Thanks a lot for nominating me. I love you. Come on. Cindy, what's wrong with you? What do you mean? All this touching and hugging girls and I love you. Boy, are you strange. Why well, could it mean anything? I'll just bet. You better think about what you mean. The episode tackled a sensitive issue during the era when being gay was rarely talked about on television. Although reaction from modern-day critics have been mixed, at least they tried to have the discussion. Right on. To facts of life. They're all about you. <laughs> okay, Jen, here's the situation. You have two strikes, and there are two names left on the list. The good news here is that there's one character left on the list that is very memorable, and I think you can pull that one out. The other name, maybe not so much. So tell me, what name do you have to take off the list? Okay, well, Alex reminded me of it by the name using the name Cindy, which prompted in me to remember the character, who I think was Joe's cousin, who um, was also another topic of conversation because she was, what's the proper word to use? She had, like, some disabilities. Jerry. Cousin Jerry, number seven on the list. <laughs> that was great. I don't even remember that character. Jerry. Oh, my God. She's so memorable because she was like, yeah, like I feel like one of the very first characters on TV that was represented as having disabilities or whatever. If you saw her, Alex, you would recognize her. I'm sure of it. Her role as Jerry Tyler, the cousin of Blair, actually, although I think she had a similar mullet to Joe. I think that may be why you got her connected with her, Jen. Ah, does she have muscular uh, dystrophy or something? Cerebral palsy. Ah, okay. Don't worry, I'm not drunk. I have cerebral palsy. See, I have this name. It says I don't have cerebral palsy, I'm drunk. You know, it cost me 20 cents a letter? Would have been a lot cheaper if I had polio. <laughs> hey, it looks funny. Was it supposed to be? I hope so. It's in my nightclub back. Oh, in that case. <laughs> yeah, her appearance on the show was groundbreaking. She was the first disabled actor to have a reoccurring role on a TV series. Wow. So, that brings us back to you, Alex. There is one name left on this list. Number six? This is big. I mean, this is crazy. Like, this has got to be somebody big that, like, I watched. And, yeah, no, I mean, I used to, like, play with these imaginary friends when I was little. Like, I don't understand why I can't remember these people. They were my friends. Well, you've been really impressive with the names you've been able to come out with. So I don't think you're doing any injustice to the playmates of your youth here. Um, I, I mean, really, seriously, I have no idea. Like, was there a... Was there a pet? Are you talking, was there some dog on the show that, like, was everybody's favorite pet that I'm just, like, not missing, like, the Brady Bunch cat tiger? Like, is there something I'm missing? 
Did David Cassidy visit the show? <laughs> I don't Alex, you know, you're really smart. That's a real clever way to think about it in this situation. I mean, you're wrong in this case, but <laughs> it's still a smart way to think. No, this is a real person, a real character from the show. All right. So I don't know. Some character named Henry. <laughs> Wouldn't Henry. it be awesome if that were right? Some rando named Henry did not make the survey, surprisingly. So that's strike number two. But that's okay, because you got to strike the spare. So we go back to you, Jen. It's win or go home. Can you get number six off the list? All right. Well, let's see. I feel like you're giving me some clues. At first, before you said it was a real person, I was thinking, was it 2D's roller skates? Because she was, like, always on the roller skates. Like, they're, like, its own character. Um, That'd be really sad if 2D's roller skates were more popular than Molly Ringwald. They came first, right? Um, wasn't, oh gosh, what's, I feel like it was a character from Different Strokes who like showed up on the show and it wasn't Dana because I already said that one, but was it the little guy who then eventually ran for California governor? Um, <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> Did he like come on the show and was he memorable? What was his name? What you talking about? That's what you talking kid. about, Willis? What you talking about, Willis? Kid? <laughs> Gary Coleman? Gary Coleman. Gary that's Coleman. my answer. <laughs> Gary Coleman. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gary Coleman did not make the survey. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> that means that's strike number three. I cannot believe it. <laughs> that means, Alice, you won round one. And that means you have the power. The power. Oh, my God, I have never won anything before. I want to thank my supporters. I, I am so I am so thrilled. I'm, I'm going to write home to my, my, my parents. Like, this is, this is amazing. Well, Alex, before you make too many more acceptance speeches, there's still two more rounds to play. So Jen still has a shot at redemption here. All right. So what I'm saying here is anything can still happen. The only answer you guys did not get off the list was number six, and that was a character named Sue Ann Weaver, who was an intelligent boy crazy girl from Kansas City who always gave Blair a run for her money when it came to chasing boys. Interesting. Uh, but her character was eliminated after the season one purge. All right. That was challenging. That was. Nervous now? Are you nervous? <laughs> I'm feeling a little defeated. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot to get a when you're Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show, and to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to call yourself Gen X, and what might potentially disqualify you from being called Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Jen. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. All right. So I was born in 1970, in, and I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and definitely remember my senior picture had like, you know, the teased up bangs and a perm. I remember wearing like Forenza sweaters, like backwards, oh where you wore like the V in the back. It was very cool. I had these white boots with like my stirrup pants. I was very fashionable. Um, I saw Footloose in the theater like 13 times. I was so madly in love with Ren, the Kevin Bacon character. It was just like uh, heart palpitations constantly. Uh, Jen, I got to jump in here for a second. 
I think we can all agree that Rin could have done a whole lot better than Ariel, right? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. He's totally I'm annoying. Mean. I'm sorry. Even Sarah Jessica Parker would have been a better person. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> of all the unbelievable things that happened in the movie Footloose, the least believable thing is that Ariel would have landed Ren McCormick. I'm just saying. No, if you needed to eat a sandwich. Um, <laughs> and, and then thinking about this, too, I was remembering how, and this is, made, this is kind of Gen X parenty, but my dad took me and my friend Heather and my brother to see Porky's when we were, like, in junior <gasps> high at the theater. Yeah. And I think the jerk. What and kind so, of parents did you have? Very lenient parents. My dad was like, the rule is there are no rules. The rules are there ain't no rules. I mean, that was my dad's, like, saying. And he had uh, very different parents. My parents were kind of busy raising a bunch of kids. They were like, Where, what are you guys doing? We don't know. I'm going to say also that I think my disqualifier is that I really, really, I think, wanted to be a slacker. Like, I wanted to embody that, like, slacker persona and just be like, whatever, I don't care. But it's like, I can't. It's, like, not a part of my DNA. I'm like, I haven't, like, I just, I accomplished too many things. So that's my disqualifier. And I want to, like, give it to the man. barely a disqualifier. That's barely a disqualifier. Well, whatever. I feel like it's just, it's like it shaves off some serious, like, cred. No, I can see it. You lose a little bit of cred for being a rules follower coming from Gen X. But it's not for me to say. Let's see what the judges have to say. Judges, do her credentials hold up to stay on the show? Congratulations, Jen. Following the rules didn't get you kicked off the show. Oh, thank goodness. And please also welcome to the show, Alex. Alex, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and please include your Gen X credentials as well as your potential disqualifiers. I come here by way of New Jersey. I grew up outside New York City. New York City! And for my qualifications for Gen X, I was a complete latchkey kid. So after school meant taking the train to New York, and I'd go through all the thrift stores, like looking for that perfect army jacket so I could look either like Madonna or Cindy Lauper. And then I would also, like Jen said about making her hair big, I didn't do the big hair. It's a little bit earlier. I was born in 67, but I mastered doing the eyes with blue eyeliner and everybody watching, I have brown eyes and I have olive skin. So just put the bright blue on that. It was, it was gorgeous. And um, every weekend trying to get a blonde streak in my hair by spraying all the sun in I could into one space and it just turning slightly orange. (laughs) So I think that that qualifies me. I, the only movie I went to the theater more than once to was Grease, where I actually then like wrote with friends, like our own version of the musical and we performed it like, you know, for the sixth grade class or, or whatever it was. Wow. So that would be it. As far as disqualifiers, I have never seen Porky's in, in, in the whole movie ever. I have never seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High through all the way ever. I do remember all the John Hughes movies. Um, and I and I thought I was like, you know, going to save Lloyd Dobler from himself. Like I thought like we that's who I was in love with, Jen. You were in lo- I was in love with Lloyd Dobler. I mean, I just, you know, that was my sort of thing. But I didn't do the movie thing. So... I have nothing to share when it comes to those big movies. Well, it's a good thing you're not on a podcast trivia game show that talks about movies of our generation very often. (laughs) 
Judges, can we let Alex stay despite her lack of knowledge about Gen X movies? Congratulations, Alex. You have not been disqualified for the show. But, you know, get out and see a movie once in a while, okay? We don't mess with people from Jersey, so you're definitely staying on the show. Absolutely true. Round two. Round two today is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions for to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try and make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, which is you, Alex, gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given in an answer, no matter how incorrect it might be. So if you don't know the answer, please make something up and try and make it entertaining for the listeners. The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that the two of you will be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of this round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So, Alex, you have the power, and you can pick between these two questions. Will it be foul fouls, which is a literary question, or will it be there's not enough pudding pops in the world to welcome you back now, dude, which is a television question? Shoot. <laughs> well, I guess we're going with the first one. Okay, foul fouls. Foul fouls. In the 1980 Judy Bloom children's novel Super Fudge, Peter's younger brother Fudge had a pet minor bird named Uncle Feather. What was the bird's famous line? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, adios, dingbat? B, bonjour, stupid? C, aloha, dummy? Or D, sayonara, sucker? Alex, how well do you remember your Judy Bloom? Well, this is like... I have to say, even looking at Jen Dalton's face, like Judy Bloom is her absolute favorite author. And I see her like going through her brain like, I don't know the answer to this. And of course, 1980, like again, I'm on the earlier side of Gen X. I'm like, Super Fudge? I didn't read Super Fudge. I was reading Forever by 1980. I was reading her dirty books and reading the dirty parts out loud into a tape recorder and then playing it back. Like that's, that's what I spent 1980 doing, not reading this. So um, so I'm going to have to go with Sayonara Sucker, D. Sayonara Sucker is incorrect. Mm. I'm sorry, Alex. Jen, you get a chance to steal this, get a point, and take the power, if you can get this correct. A question by your all-time favorite author, according to Alex. So I did read Super Fudge. It was the first Judy Bloom book I read. Um, I don't really remember it very well, um, but I'm going to go with the Bonjour one. B, Bonjour, stupid? Bonjour, stupid. That is correct. <laughs> How bum would have you been if you would have got that Judy Bloom question incorrect? I, I would have been super bummed, but I, like I said, that was Yo, very. I think I read. Right. I think I read that one in like fifth grade. So fifth grade. Wow. Well remembered. Let's listen to the fun fact. They got Uncle Feather when Fudge wanted a burr for a pet in the book. His parents wanted to get him something else, like a canary or a parakeet, but Peter suggests a minor bird, which he mentions he can talk, much to everyone else's regret. As Gen Xers, I think we can all agree that there are far worse things that one can teach a bird to say. Yeah. I feel like I thought he had a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I didn't even know he had a parrot. No, I don't remember that. Turtles have a much worse vocabulary than minor birds. 
<laughs> so well done, Jen. You've stolen the power. You scored one point, and now you'll get this question, which is called, There's Not Enough Pudding Pops in the World to Welcome You Back Now, Dude, which is a television question. Believe it or not, there was a time when Bill Cosby was actually welcomed in our homes every Thursday night. However, in the first nine episodes of The Cosby Show, it was one of his kids on the show that was not welcomed with any screen time. Which of the Cosby kids on the show was missing from the first episodes? This is a multiple choice as well. Was it A, Rudy? B, Sandra? C, Vanessa? D, Denise? Or E, Cockroach? Oh, I think it was the one that was in college, because you're always like, who is this person? The oldest one, who I think was Denise, played by Lisa Bonet. D, Denise is incorrect. Oh. Sorry, Jen. Alex, you get a chance to steal this point and also steal the power back if you can get it correct. B, Sandra. B, Sandra is correct. Which one was, was Sandra? She was the oldest one. Denise was the middle kid. Oh, I, 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 I just didn't remember her name. Mm-hmm. And, and the multiple choice didn't help you. No. <laughs> well done, Alex. You've stolen the power back and you've scored a point. Here's the fun fact. In the pilot episode, the Huxtables had only four children. But later, Sandra was created when producers wanted the show to express the accomplishments of successfully raising a child as a college graduate. Whitney Houston was considered for the role of Sandra Huxtable, but she did not want to give up her music career. Good choice there, Whitney. The actor who ended up with the role was Sabrina LaBeouf, who almost missed out on the role because she was only 10 years younger than her mother on the show, Felissa Rashad. Oh, that's interesting. So it wasn't Lisa Bonet. She was definitely not in college yet. Was she on the show? Yeah, Lisa Bonet was on the show. (laughs) She was like the star. Right. Okay. And then she went on to Different World. You got it. Okay. All right. I'm remembering some things. Alex, you have the power, so you can pick between these two questions. Will it be, you sank my battleship, which is a games question, or will it be, Reverend Jim needs a driver's license, which is a television sitcom question? I'll do the TV sitcom question. All right. Good choice. Reverend Jim needs a driver's license. In the much underrated TV show, Taxi. The cabbies try to help Christopher Lloyd's character, Jim Ignatowski, get a job with them at the Sunshine Cab Company. The hurdle is that Jim must first get a driver's license. When Jim gets stuck on the written exam, he asks Bobby, What does a yellow light mean? What was Bobby's two-word reply to Jim's question, What does a yellow light mean? Slow down. Oh, okay. What does a yellow light mean? Slow down. What does a yellow light mean? Slow down. I can't get much slower for you, Alex. Just answer the question. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that is your... Never mind. Uh, okay. Yes, that is correct. Two points. Well done. How'd you remember that? <laughs> oh, my God. I think I just saw that scene kind of recently because taxi is just like someplace I go back to when I need, like, love. <laughs> like, it is. Well, Kanicki from Greece was in the show. So it's one of the funniest scenes on television. You should Google it. Look at the YouTube. It's 100% agreed, Alex. Christopher Lloyd and Jeff Conaway were told by the director to repeat the what does a yellow light mean gag going until the audience just stopped laughing. The cast could not keep a straight face during this scene, with Mary Lou Henner and Tony Danza can both be seen laughing out of character in the background. 
so far as to chew on a pencil to try and stop from laughing. The creators of Taxi say that this scene was the best moment in the entire series. And, speaking as a big fan of the series, that is truly saying something. Do yourself a favor and go back, as Alex suggested, and watch this next time you need a good laugh. So that's three points for Alex, two points for Jen. You sank my battleship, Jen! This is a games question for you. In the classic naval battle strategy game by Milton Bradley, players must try to sink the other player's fleet of five ships to win. The ships played are a carrier, cruiser, submarine, destroyer, and of course, a battleship. Some ships take more hits to sink than others. How many total hits combined on all ships does it take to win the game? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, 17, B, 18, C, 20, or D, 69? Okay, I know it's not D, <laughs> but let me just do some quick math here. I know that there's the big ship, so I'm going to guess that's like seven, and then I'm really terrible at math. Um, I'm going to go with 20. I'm sorry, Jen. 20 is incorrect. Oh, are you kidding me? I used to play this game every day. <laughs> I can't believe I don't know the answer. <laughs> Alex, are you ready to try and steal this one? She's doing math over there. I can see it. Or yes, I am. It. I'm going to go with 17. 17 hits is correct. Oh, God. <laughs> Look at you. You know, this is going to help with the rest of your day. I can just tell. It, it totally is. It's totally going to make the rest of my day go smoothly. Battleship was known worldwide as a pencil and paper game, which dates back to World War I. It was published by various companies as a pad and pencil game in the 1930s and was released as a plastic board game by Milton Bradley in 1967. So it barely made it into Gen X. The game has spawned electronic versions, video games, smartphone apps, and even an awful film in 2012. So I guess the Mayans got something right there. <laughs> Glad I didn't see that movie. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever cheat at that game, Jen? All the time. I played oh, with my I brother. I was like, I had to beat him every time. <laughs> no, I totally cheated with my sister. We it would felt play. like it was super easy to cheat. Why was that? It had that like screen. Up. It did, it? but you could peer around it and right. like, I, yeah. Anyway, my daughter, she's nine and she loves to play that game. And I cheat all the time when I play it with her. <laughs> <laughs> but I cheat and let her win. So there's that. That's nice. Yeah, That's I didn't nice. do that to my brother. <laughs> August 19th, Admiral Harold Burns Jr. programs a devastating attack. Dad says, You sank my battleship. Battleship, an electronic battleship from Milton Bradley. From MB! With only four questions left, the score is Alex 4, Jen 1. Jen? You need to make some inroads here on this next round of questions. Okay. Well, you need to ask another Judy Bloom question. <laughs> Spell Judy Bloom. <laughs> I, I could do that. <laughs> Alex, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head -head challenge, or will it be Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose, which is a TV question? Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose. This is a two-part TV question that asks simply, Who were Barbarino, Washington, Epstein and Horshack, and what were they known as collectively? Ooh, 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 I got the answer. I got the answer. <laughs> Back Cotter, they were they were all in the in the classroom. It was like the reject classroom with horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. But it's true, and they were known as the sweat hogs. Up your nose with your hose. <laughs> the TV show was Welcome Back Cotter. These were Mr. Cotter's students. Known collectively as the Sweat Hogs. That is absolutely correct. Good work, Alex. I can do the Vinnie Barbarino dance. 
I can <laughs> totally do it. But the podcast, it's audio, so you don't get it. So Here's the fun fact. Did you know that all the characters in the show are based on real people and the Sweathogs were an actual group name that they used? Vinny Barbarino was a combination of Gabe Kaplan's fellow Sweathog Eddie Lacari and a tough kid named Joey Calucci. Freddie Boom Boom Washington was named after Freddie Ferdy Payton. Juan Epstein was Epstein the Animal. And Arnold Horshack was... Oh! 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 <laughs> Arnold Horshack. When you have a name as funny as Arnold Horshack, you don't change it. Uh, you, you would have you would have lost your East Coast crowd if you got that wrong. No, it's totally true. I mean, my mother grew up in Brooklyn, so we would watch that show, and she's like, "That's like where I went to high school." So, yeah. So the score is now six points for Alex, one point for Jen. Jen, anything can still happen. It's okay. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Next, we have Cinema Soundcheck. Jen, this is a head-to-head challenge. You're going to start us off on this one. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks of a musical score of a popular movie from Gen X, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player, giving a new movie title with each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. So, Jen, you're down a lot. You need to get this. It's okay. Hit me. So you two will take turns guessing the title of the movie with each new track that I give you. So I'm going to give you a couple clues to help you out. The clues are that this was released in 1983. It was rated PG, and IMDb lists this as an action-adventure drama. The first song was entitled Video Fever. Oh, goodness. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, you're really, you're really trying my brain here this morning. Um Jen, we have seven more song titles left, so if you don't get it on this first one, don't don't sweat it. Okay. Some Steven Spielberg movie, some like, you know, I'm trying to remember a name of a movie. You're stumping me. <laughs> um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is incorrect. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> so now we go to Alex, and I give her a new title from the same movie, and she tries to guess it. Song number two is called The Game Begins. So, so far we have The Game Begins and Video Fever. So, War Games. Yes! That's what I was going to say. So, I think we've done this game three times now, and the contestants keep getting it so early in the game, it kills all the drama. Strange game. The only winning move is not to play. You need to stop being so good at movie trivia. Alex, that is correct. The movie was War Games. Oh, I just watched that. Oh, by the way, I can't totally, believe it. I can't movie, believe it. Alex, I'm so mad right now. But that movie still stands the test of time. It's it is so, so good. So good. It's so good. Will I can't believe you got me? that. I'm so mad. <laughs> For you, the listeners at home, if you didn't get it after the second clue, I'll read the rest and you can see where you think you would have picked up on War Games. Song three was Confidence is High. Song four was It Could Be War. Song five was NORAD, followed by David and Joshua Dialogue. Uh-huh. Seven was Launch Detected. And eight was War Games, the theme from the motion picture War Games. <laughs> well, we would eventually have gotten it if yeah. we had to make it through the list. How about a nice game of chess? So the score is now Alex with eight points. Jen, you have one point. Oh, God. Believe it or not, there are enough points left in the game for you to tie this up. Okay, I'm doing this. I'm winning. I'm going to win. 
So, Alex, you still have the power as we go into the final two questions of the round. You get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Name That Auto-Tune, which is a head-to-head challenge, or will it be Here's the Story of a Lovely Lady, which is a television question? Well, I have to go with the television question. Here's the story. Here's your question. Going back to the Facts of Life TV show for a moment, Blair Warner had several members of her family make appearances. Cousins, parents, and both of her sisters were featured on the show. One sister, however, was more famous for her role on The Brady Bunch. Which famous Brady played Blair's half-sister on the show? This is a multiple choice. Was it A, Eve Plum? B, Marie McCormick? C, Susan Olsen? Or D, Anne B. Davis? Okay, well, Anne B. Davis is the maid, so like that is not... Like it is not going to be her. All right, so I got to go with uh, Marsha Brady, Marie McCormick. Marie McCormick is incorrect. Hey, you guys. Oh, my Jen, here's your chance to steal, get a point, and take the power. Can you do it? Huh. Then maybe, I mean, because it's like, no offense to Eve Plum, but no one really cared about Jan, <laughs> right? So it had to have been Cindy, who was played by the other name. <laughs> Susan Olsen. I'm going to go with Susan Olsen. Because she's cute and perky and whatever, and Jan was boring, right? (laughs) You know, you shouldn't put down a loser, Cindy, because you might be one yourself someday. Just remember that. Well, Jen, just know that somewhere out there, Eve Plum is giving you the double middle fingers. No! I was Blair's sister, damn it. No, no. Eve, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) When Eve Plum did not want to be on the short-lived variety show called The Brady Bunch Hour, actor Jerry Rachel stepped in and played the role of Jan Brady on the show. Brady Bunch fans were pretty cruel to poor Jerry and referred to her as fake Jan on the show. However, she was also almost known as real Blair at one point. Because she was originally given the role of Blair Warner on the television pilot for The Facts of Life. She was forced to give up the role, though, due to her contract with General Mills. However, in one episode of Facts of Life, Real Jan had to fight with Blair and accidentally ended up punching her in the face in rehearsal. So in some sort of weird multiverse out there where Jerry got the role as Blair, Real Jan could have punched fake Jan, who was playing Real Blair in the face. <laughs> so at least fake Jan got to dodge that insult to injury. So that's no points for that question. And now we go into the final question of Eight is Enough. It's a game that's called Name That Auto-Tune. It is a head-to-head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song, and you have to give me the title and artist of the song. However, the catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will be also using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering, with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points, so that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. (laughs) Don't do that, Jen. Just roll with it. Just as a reminder, whoever ends up with the power at the end of this round will go first in the next round, which is called Dysfunctional Family Feud, and that is a huge advantage. So you're really still playing for something here. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Jen, you're going to start us off. Song number one is a song from 1984. Give me the artist and title to this song. Who's going to pick you up when you fall? Who's going to hang it up when you call? Who's going to pay attention? 
to your dreams. Who's gonna plug their ears when you scream? Oh, God, I know the song. Okay. It's a male singer. It's a male band. It's... <laughs> Why am I not remembering? I'm having, a, like, a brain disease. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's a dis-ease of the brain. Yourself. You bleeped yourself right there instead of brain fart. You said brain disease. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there are just so many people listening going, it's blah, blah, blah. Can't you remember? Yes, they are, Jen. They are. And I'm feeling uber embarrassed. Let's see. Um, I don't know. Is it a Duran Duran song? I don't know. I'm not remembering. You're not allowed to say I don't know on this show. You'll get slimed, and you'll get your one point taken away. You'll end up with zero. <laughs> this is harsh. Gosh. Um, Don Henley? <laughs> this is a Gen X show, not a baby boomer show. Well, I don't know. His songs were popular on the radio. <laughs> Don Henley is incorrect. Mm. I'm sorry, Jen. Alex, can you steal this one and run up the score on your good friend, Jen Dalton? This is what confuses me is because you said 1984 and then Jen Dalton said it wasn't Rick Astley because I thought it was Rick Astley. I thought it was, be going to give you up, gonna never going to let you down, never going to turn around and forget you. It's yeah, whatever. I thought it was that song. <laughs> nope. It is not that song, so that means there's no points for anyone on this question. But let me play a clip from the original and see if that jogs your memory. Who's gonna pay attention to your Who's gonna plug your ears when you scream? What is it, ladies? It's the cars drive. Oh my gosh. I knew yes. it. <laughs> it's not Rick Astley, it's Rick Okasic. Okasic. Yep. See, it was a Rick. And it was a it was a guy. <laughs> that was a huge hit for them, but not my not my favorite cars. Oh, I love the cars. <laughs> it's the British accent. It's so hard. So we got two more songs. Alex, it's your turn. Can you name this song from nineteen eighty three? Day after day, it reappears. Night after night, my heart beat, shows the fear. Ghosts appear, and fade away. Come back another day. This one's a little more difficult. What do you got, Alex? I'm going to say it's the police ghosts in the machine. I'm sorry, Alex, that is incorrect. Jin, can you steal this? Get a point and steal the power. My heartbeat shows the fear. That is the clue right there. It's men at work. And, and I don't, I don't think I know the names of any songs. So, but I'm gonna say that it's Men at Work. That's my answer. <laughs> Men at Work is correct. What? <laughs> Let's play a clip from the original and see if anyone listening can get the name of the song. I'm sure I can sing along. Day after day, we are the wonderful Minute Work song called Overkill. I love that song. I, I love it. I have this album. I have it on record. Judges, are we going to give Jen one point for a partial correct answer? All right, Jen, you got a point. 
Yay! Do I get the power? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't get the power for gaining pity points. <laughs> so much for I'm pretty impressed smack. that you got that ba- I'm pretty impressed you got the ban. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Had you been able to come up with the title Overkill, then that would have been a complete answer, and you would now have the power. But you didn't. So you don't. Okay. But there's still a chance for you to get some more points here, Jen. If you can get this song number three from 1986. Day when I was chilling in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Just minding my business, eating food and finger licking. This dude walked in looking strange and kind of funny. Went up to the front with a menu and his money. He didn't walk straight, kind of side to side. He asked this old lady, yo, yo, um, is this Kentucky Fried? The lady said yeah, smiled and he smiled back. He gave a quarter in his order, small fries, Big Mac. I know this one. This is uh, Run, D- Run DMC. You be Ellen. That is correct. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> well done. You are my hero. I know me some Run DMC. Let's play a clip from the original and refresh our minds on this classic. <laughs> That brings our final score, eight points for Alex, four points for Jen. Jen, you made some great strides there at the very end, closing that gap. However, the winner of round two is Alex. Congratulations, Alex. You and I will now take a secret trip to the prize vault to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in round three. Alex, you know, you get to like go to his eBay store and find something that you get to play for, that we're going to play for. Okay. This That's is, exciting. It's super cool. <laughs> However, before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing for future episodes. Your positive reviews really makes a difference on Apple's algorithms and really puts the show out in front of more people. So I really appreciate those who have already made positive reviews on Apple Podcasts. I hope others will choose to join them. We would love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. Okay, Jen, we're going to put you in the waiting room. Okay. Alex, you and I are going to go to the prize vault in secret. Okay, now that we have the item picked, let's welcome back Jen. And we're going to move on to round three. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Gen X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. The player who has the power gets to go first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five survey questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of the answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize at the winner of round two as selected in secret. You got it? Got it. Got it. So let's go ahead and put Jen back in the waiting room. Goodbye, Jen. Okay. Whoops. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. Okay, Alex, you're up first. You get one pass. Pro tip. Use your pass. 
Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Tell me the name of any pet from a Gen X TV show or movie. Tiger the cat from Brady Bunch. Tiger was a dog. Do you want to do another recording of your answer? No. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you to foist identity on the cat? This is Fluffy the cat. So I'll do Tiger the dog from Brady Bunch. All right. Besides Bugs Bunny, name a popular Looney Tunes character. Elmer Fudd. What was the best game show on TV when you were a kid? The Dating Game. Name a character from the movie or board game Clue. Miss Scarlet. And the last question is, what is a slang word that you used most during Gen X? Excellent. That's not going to win anything. Okay, Jen, welcome back. I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Alex. Remember to filter all your answers through the Gen X timeline. You may not duplicate any of Alex's answers. If you do, I'll say try again, and you need to give me another answer. It's a little more difficult, so we're going to give you two passes. Pro tip, make sure to use your passes. Okay. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Tell me the name of any pet from a Gen X TV show or movie. Pass. Besides Bugs Bunny, name a popular Looney Tunes character. Uh, Wiley Coyote. What was the best game show on TV when you were a kid? Price is Right. Name a character from the movie or board game Clue. Mrs. Peacock. What is a slang word that you used most during Gen X? Slang word? Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to the one you passed on. Tell me the name of any pet from a Gen X TV show or movie. Would Alf count? Whether it counts or not, you said it. So that's your answer. He's a pet. He talks. No problem. And now let's go to the scores. I asked you, tell me the name of any pet from a Gen X TV show or movie. Jen, you said Alf, and you said he was a pet because he could talk for some reason. (laughs) Although I shouldn't question that logic because it was the number one answer. Yeah, number one, Alf. I love it. (laughs) And it's worth 28 points. Good job. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What did Alex say? Well, Alex said Tiger, the cat from (laughs) the cat dog from Brady Bunch. Oh, that's cool. Which was the number three answer worth 20 points. Bringing the score 20 for Alex and 28 for Jen. So the replies we get for these surveys are gathered off of people we ask on Facebook, and also the responses we get back from our newsletter. More information on that to come. But sometimes we get some pretty funny responses, so I'd like to give some honorable mentions to this question. Honorable mention goes to Goliath from Davy and Goliath, if you remember that animated show. Absolutely. Also, Ubu the dog from Sit Ubu Sit. Yes, that's funny. (laughs) Sit Ubu Sit. And finally, Higgins from Magnum P.I., which got one vote. Oh, I never watched Magnum P.I. That was like an adult show when I was a kid. Well, Higgins wasn't an animal. He was like Magnum's buddy, like his foil kind of thing. Oh, okay. He was his pet. We were both like, all right, maybe. (laughs) Question two is, besides Bugs Bunny, name a popular Looney Tunes character. Alex, you said Elmer Fudd, which was the number two answer worth 29 points. Jen, you said Wild E. Coyote. 
but I'm sorry that did not make the survey. A Wiley Coyote didn't make it? Yep. Sorry. No points on this one. Okay. With two questions down, the score is 49 for Alex and 28 for Jen. Okay. What was the number one answer there? The number one answer was Daffy Duck. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, I never liked Daffy He's Duck. He's boring. I, yeah, what does he do? So boring. Side note, Woody Woodpecker got one vote despite not even being a Looney Tune character. Despite that, he still got more votes than Wiley Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> Next, I asked you, what was the best game show on TV when you were a kid? Jen, you gave us the number one answer with The Price is Right. Yeah. That answer is worth 40 points. Jen, you're right back into it. Alex, you gave us the number five answer in The Dating Game that was worth eight points. Honorable mention goes to Supermarket Sweep, if you remember that show, and also Legend of the Hidden Temple both getting one vote. So the score is now Alex with 58. Jen, you're in the lead with 68. What? I'm winning? All right, all right. Let's keep this going. So only 10 points separate you as we go into question number four. I asked you, name a character from the movie or board game Clue. Jen, you said Mrs. Peacock. That was the number four answer worth 12 points. Okay. Alex, you said Miss Scarlet, which was the number two answer worth 32 points. The number one answer, of course, was Colonel Mustard. Colonel Mustard, oh, Colonel yes, Mustard. of course. Honorable mention goes to Mr. Body, who got two votes. <laughs> <laughs> so the score is now Alex with 90 points and Jen with 80. Still only a 10-point difference in the game. And it all comes down to your favorite slang word of Generation X. The question was, what slang word did you use most during Gen X? Jen, you give us dude which was the number one answer what? worth 30 points. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Jen is so excited. Well, it's just like, dude. I mean, it's just like, dude. I call everybody dude. I mean, even yeah. at work. I'm always like, dude. All right, dude. Well, you got 110 points. That means, Alex, you are down 21 points. That's your mark to beat. As we go into your final answer, which was excellent. I mean, your answer was excellent. It's not that it wasn't an excellent answer. It's just, I mean, I say it's an excellent answer. But what did Gen X say? Was it excellent enough to win? Survey said. I'm sorry, Alex. Excellent did not make the survey. That means, Jen, you won the game. 110 to 90. Congratulations. You're doing your part to save Generation X. Hallelujah. Alex, I can't believe it. You what? won with dude. It a just nail biter. Dude won the game. Dude. dude won the game. I mean, dude is dude like, dude. hello, it's like the best. Dude. And the final honorable mention goes to Neil Maxi Zundwebe and Gag Me with a Dead Smurf. One vote. <laughs> I, I've, I've been known to use that one, too. <laughs> Before the survey, I had never heard of Gag Me with a Dead Smurf. I don't know, but it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you were crushing it the whole game until the very end. I'm sorry things didn't turn out the way that you were hoping for, but I hope you had a good time. Did you have a good time? I had such a good time. Thanks so much for playing, Alex. You totally blew it, dude. Now let's go to the prize vault and see what rad prize Jen gets to bid on. For winning round three, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Alex until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. So let's take a look at all the prizes Alex had to choose from 
and then we'll reveal what she picked. The first item in the prize vault is this unusual collection of Pez dispensers. This listing includes Santa Claus, Yosemite Sam, and Boba Fett for some reason. I would love to know the occasion why the original owner of this needed all three of these specific characters at the same time. <laughs> Having an author on the show today made me feel obligated to have some sort of book in the prize vault. So we offer this random book from the Encyclopedia Britannica from 1978 in this handsome leather-bound edition. <laughs> I could not find an Alexandra Garbage Pail Kid for this episode, but I did find Genius Jenny which features a picture of this girl with her brain on the outside of her head. <laughs> well, since this is an homage to the old-fashioned Wheel of Fortune prize vault, the judges wanted to make sure on this episode that we had an overpriced ceramic dog in the offering. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. This listing is very poorly written and has no details in it other than a picture of a ceramic dog and nothing to scale. So either you're getting a ceramic dog the size of your thumb or the size of you. <laughs> Invite your kids to listen in on this next item in the prize vault. Kids, you see, long ago, if you wanted to know what was on television, you had to purchase a magazine called Television Guide. And this item is a classic example of one. This vintage 1977 issue of the TV Guide featuring John Travolta, a.k.a. Vinny Barbarino, the sweat hog himself. He was hot. He was hot. So hot. Look at that hair. And I can think of no better person to get the what, where, who than Vinny Barbarino <laughs> for your television information. And finally, seems like game shows of our generation used to always offer a year supply of rice a the San Francisco treat. <laughs> However, times have changed, and our budget will only allow us to offer you this rice a trolley trivet to rest your spoon on while you make the San Francisco treat at home. Rice. So, Alex, will you please reveal to us what you picked and why? Well, I would have picked, I think you're right, the John Travolta, because look at that hair. He's, I mean, yeah, it's wonderful. And 1977, I would have been, that's those days when I used to go through my grandmother's TV guide and like circle the shows that I wanted to watch. But I have to say... Jen and I met in San Francisco, so I, I had to say, in honor of our friendship, I went with the vintage Ricerone, uh trivet. I like it. In preparing for this episode, I had to Google what trivet even meant for disclosure. <laughs> so I feel obligated to say that it's the thing you rest your spoon on so you don't get your countertop dirty uh, when you're cooking. Cool. Let's bid this sucker up. Yeah, I think $5 is worthy. I think $5 is it, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations with a high bidder at five bucks. If this bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for you and have it shipped out to you. Good luck and congratulations. I love it. And you know what, Alex? I can share it with you too. So when I come oh, visit you, we could like you. trade it back and forth. <laughs> thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment. And it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. If you would like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. 
contributions there go directly to keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants, and all-around improvements to future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you are so interested. It has been pointed out to me that not everyone likes to use Patreon, but would like to support the show. So we have added Venmo to those who would like to contribute to the show. You can find us at Who Will Save Gen X on your Venmo app. All the details to both of these ways to contribute to the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what we're doing here and want to save Gen X from being forgotten and can afford to spare a few bucks, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thanks so much for listening. And now, as we always do at the end of the show, we'd like to give out our shout-outs and plugs. Alex, you were amazing on the show today. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And you're dominating the whole game. And when it comes down to it, you are just a dude away from winning the game. Dude? <laughs> Fair enough. Anything you'd like to say before we leave? I do. If you want to listen to two Gen X women talk about race and womanhood at the hearth level, please give us a listen at Women Bridging the Gap. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts or find us online at womenbridgingthegap.com. You can find those details in the show notes as well. Now let's go to our champion of this episode, Jen. Anything you'd like to say before we leave? Sure. I can't believe I won, by the way. I'm going to shout out to myself for winning. Um, let's see. <laughs> Dude, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope the world thinks I'm a better writer than I am at math. But um, I would love to plug my book, which is a Judy Bloom inspired story set in the 80s um, about a girl uh, finding her inner voice and her resilience in the face of being bullied. And it's called Of Butterflies and Bullies by me, Jenny Dalton. And you can order it, learn more at butterfliesbullies.com. Well, Jen, I have a nine-year-old daughter. And when you stop and consider what kind of weirdo her dad is, I got to think that there's some bullying perhaps in her future. (laughs) What do you think the age-appropriate range is for reading your book? It's age appropriate for junior high, um, and also lots of women our age are really loving reading it. It's very nostalgic and just remembering a lot of things about friendships and like stuff I think that they kind of need to process a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of like yeah, adults and junior high. There's a scene in there that's a little bit more mature, so junior high. All right. Well, maybe I should read it first, and then in a couple of years we'll give it to her. All right. Well, we'll include your link in the show notes as well. Thanks for being on the show, Jen. All right. This has been so fun. This has been so fun. Just, Zabe, I love what you're doing. It's so this entertaining. Oh, so great. It was so much fun. And and thank you for thank you for crafting those questions, um, the idiot-proof questions. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Healing Gen X self-esteem, one show at a time. <laughs> and it's just a pleasure to meet you. And yeah, I just really love what you're doing. And I'm a huge fan, so... I'm, gra- okay. I'm grateful to have like a new podcast to make me feel, it just makes me feel happy to listen to it. Ah, well, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah. Before we go, I have a quick announcement and a shout out of my own. The announcement is that we now have a newsletter for the podcast. The newsletter will keep you up to date on all the latest news and announcements for the show. We have lots of stuff planned coming up in the near future that we are excited to share with you. This will also be a spot to submit questions or segment ideas or even inquire about becoming a contestant of the show or of the home game if you guys have checked that out yet. But the most exciting part about the newsletter is it's been pointed out to us that more people would like to take part of the dysfunctional family feud game that we play here on the show but do not have access to add their voice to the answers. Well, here's your chance. 
Sign up for our newsletter and it will include a spot for you to see upcoming surveys to reply to and get your answers on the show. You can share your Gen X expertise with the world or see if your answers end up on the honorable mention segment. It's a fun either way. You can find the details on that in the show notes. Or if you just like to email me and I'll send you this information myself personally, you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. And for my shout-out, I would like to personally thank our newest supporter on Patreon. Shout-out to you, Troy, in Northern California. Thank you so much for doing your part to save Generation X. This next sound clip is just for you. Nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. Well, that's it for the episode. Thanks so much for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later, dudes. Bonjour, stupid.